If you're going to put your 401k money into an annuity, what you're actually going to do is take it out of the 401k, put it in an IRA and buy an annuity inside of an IRA. And typically that's going to happen after you've separated from service at the job. That just means when you don't work there anymore. Over 56% of Americans don't feel like they're on track to retire comfortably. And it's no surprise. Retiring with confidence is not as simple as it used to be. That's why each week we talk about the many challenges of modern retirement and share some of the best strategies for overcoming each and every one. So that you can make sure you're putting your hard-earned savings towards the retirement of your dreams. I'm Brandon. And I'm Brantley. Welcome to Retire With Confidence. For more, be sure to visit retirewithconfidencenow.com. If you have a 401k, do you want to move your 401k into an annuity? Well, you might want to, but I'm not sure that you can do that directly. You can't do it directly. Well, typically speaking, most 401ks are populated. Is that the word I'm looking for? With mutual funds or exchange traded funds. An annuity is not an option inside of most 401k plans. This is very so, true. Technically speaking, let me get my nerd glasses out and, and push them up. Um, technically, sir. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you can't do that, but you can do it via a rollover. So, yes, that's yes. really so, what the context for this episode is all about. If you're going to put your 401k money into an annuity, what you're actually going to do is take it out of the 401k, put it in an IRA, right, and buy an annuity inside of an IRA. And typically that's going to happen after you've separated from service at the job. That just means yes. when you don't work there anymore. That was a, yes. Very obtuse way to say that. In a very limited number of circumstances, you may have access to something we call an in-service withdrawal. And if yeah. you're one of the 0.5% of the U.S. population who has access to one of those, well, it's not. I think you're being generous with 0.5%. Yeah. It's a magical unicorn that we've been preached, the the industry has preached to us about for, well, for us the uh, last couple of decades. And um, we've yet to encounter an actual person in the wild who has the ability to make an in-service withdrawal from their 401k. So It's true. It's very, very true. So today we came here to talk about the pros and cons of annuities when it comes to deciding if you want to take your hard-earned and hard-accumulated 401k dollars and put them in an annuity. So we'll start with the pro list because why not be positive? Guaranteed income, an unsurprising number one pro on the list. Right. Um, If you know anything about annuities, this is sort of their their domain. Yeah, we think so. That should be the primary reason that anyone considers an annuity at this point. Yeah. And and when we say guaranteed income, I think most people just think that, oh, you you give the insurance company a sum of money and in right. return you get income. And right. that is that is kind of the most basic form of annuity. But that's, that's the way the, they used to work. I mean, yep. that was really the only option yep. years ago. That is not the only component that we're thinking of when we say guaranteed income. Right. So a lot of annuities have income features that are not necessarily concerned with income right now. And that looks something like I put $100,000 into an annuity and there's a guarantee that it will grow for accumu- for the accumulation of an income benefit sake by right. a certain guaranteed amount Yes, over a certain guaranteed period. Right. So I know that if I'm 65 and I put this $100,000 in the annuity, mm-hmm. then let's say when I'm 75, I know exactly what I can get at a minimum as a guaranteed income stream for the rest of my life. Right. Some of these annuities will even give me a non-guaranteed kicker, so to speak. Right. So it's possible that I'll do better 
than the absolute minimum that this is yes. telling me will happen. Right. But I know sure as, as the sun will rise tomorrow, what my income amount will be at its absolute lowest right. next year, the year after that, all the way through whatever the, the guaranteed accumulation period for the income benefit is. So it's not just about handing over some of money and receiving an income amount. It right. could be about handing over some of money and letting it accumulate to create a, a, an income at some time in the future. Right. And taking advantage of this rider that could possibly give you more income in the future. Yeah. The annuities you were talking about in the beginning where you just hand over a lump sum of money and, and get an income stream back, that's typically called a single premium immediate annuity or SPIA for short, S-P-I-A. Mm -hmm. um, they've been around since the dawn of time, I think. And they still have an application. We're not disparaging they them. They do. Um, we like them for specific use cases. Um, just very much depends. But we see products that have guaranteed income riders be much more popular. People tend to like the flexibility they offer a little bit better. Yeah, because you're not you're not necessarily saying here is a sum of money that will always be just used right. for income and I right. can't undo that. With, right. the, with the other type of annuity, you can you can undo what you've done. Right. Um, you may not be better off for it, but you can sure. undo what you've done. And in most cases, single premium median annuities work better for clients who are a little bit older and need the money to start immediately. It actually has immediate in the name, <laughs> funny thing. And in most cases, I, you correct me if I'm wrong, I believe you have to start the income stream within 12 months of making the, the yes, payment. Yes, yes. So, Otherwise, you fall into what we call the deferred income annuity. And those you could, you can, you can yeah. extend it longer. Um, you know, step aside from the SPIA for a minute to just sure. talk about these other types of annuities that have this accumulating income benefit. One of the, the areas that we spend a lot of time thinking about um, is the overall asset allocation, what else we're, we're, we're invested in. Mm -hmm. And this sum of money that may be earmarked for annuities, if we did something else with it, what would it create for a future income stream? Right. Um, so sometimes we look at that and, you know, I'm, I'm going to use an oversimplified example. Perhaps you assume that whatever the, the uh, lump sum amount is growing at 8% because that's what we usually like to use for the market. And then right. I know the 4% rule. Let's use that though and say, all right, if, if it accumulated at 8% for the next 10 years and we used 4% of that balance as what we're going to withdraw for income, mm -hmm. how does that compare against the guaranteed withdrawal benefit, the income feature of the annuity? Right. Um, there's lots of times we find that the annuity gives us a higher income benefit. Right. And that income benefit is guaranteed. There is no fluctuation with the market. So that has a certain attractiveness to it. All right, let's move on to number two. Let's do that. Diversification. Let's, let's diversify. Let's diversify this pro list. <laughs> See what you did there, sir. Yes. All right. So number two, diversification. Annuities are different from a lot of the other assets you probably would have in your retirement portfolio. They're not necessarily like stocks. They somewhat mock the, the rate of return expectations of bonds mm, yeah. and or cash, depending right. on the annuity. It's sort of a fixed income like adjacent return path. Yeah. That's a good use of synonyms we'll just, there. We'll just string a bunch of words together. <laughs> the cool thing when it comes to annuities as a diversification option is the fact that you get something that is fixed income-esque right. without some of the headaches that would commonly come with fixed income. Right. So we know, we know now clear as day, thanks to some market conditions that have, have unfolded recently, that investing in bonds is not a zero risk proposition. And so annuities can certainly become a portfolio allocation where we're not going to worry about reduction in portfolio balance. Right. But the 
other thing that annuities bring to the table, thinking of it from the fixed income point of view, is even if you invest in bonds, there comes a time when the bond matures. And that time may be past your life expectancy if, if you're old enough and you buy a long enough duration bond. But for most people, there's going to be some concern or there should be some concern about what they will do if they're buying bonds directly, which very few people do, but what they will do if yield changes. Right. Because even if you, like right now, lots of people are buying treasuries. Yes. And they're buying treasuries at, at yields in the, the 4 to 5% range, which looks great. But those treasuries are not going to last forever. So when interest rates change, they most likely will, you could find yourself in a position where you now need to reinvest the money, but you have to reinvest it at a lower yield. Right. With annuity products, that, that problem is wiped off the table. Yeah. Because the income feature of annuity is guaranteed for your lifetime. Right. And right. there's a lot of times, a lot of times we find that the income you can generate from annuities is superior to the income you can generate from just buying bonds. Yes. I would say most of the time that's been. Um, in fact, there's a study from Ernst & Young back in 2021 that showed a, a retirement portfolio that incorporated stocks and annuities versus stocks and bonds performed mm -hmm. better and had a higher chance of success uh, right. in generating necessary retirement income. Right. So With much uh, lower volatility. Which, so, again, is sort of that unseen thing that people don't really take into perspective when they're deploying capital. It, it has an effect, and it has an effect that is far more destructive than most people realize because its, it's destructive nature is incredibly subtle. You want to talk about dying? <laughs> it's our favorite thing to talk about. Number three is the death benefit, which, which is overlooked when it comes to annuities because most people, they don't really associate annuities as insurance products per se. Right. And they certainly don't associate them as life insurance products, though they technically fall into that they categorization. They are both insurance and life insurance. They are. Yes. So annuities have death benefits, and those mm -hmm. death benefits can be beneficial. On the one hand, they generally guarantee a refund of the premium that's paid. In the case of a variable annuity, if you buy one and there's a market correction and you've not withdrawn money out of the annuity, you could receive whatever you contributed as, a, as a, a, an amount to the annuity well, not you, but your beneficiary would receive that amount. So if you put $500,000 in, there's right. a market correction, it's now worth $400,000, you pass away, your beneficiary receives $500,000. That's kind of one of those basic death benefit aspects of annuities. Yeah. But there are other things beyond that. So we've commented that some of these annuities, they have this income feature that's not a, a, an immediate income feature like the, the SPIA that we yeah. covered. Right. So these these annuities, they accumulate income features by accumulation of an account balance that you don't have access to from a liquidatable point of view. Right. So when you buy this style of annuity, you'll see your cash value, what you could walk away with, but you'll also see your income value. Right. Which is generally going to grow faster than your cash value. Will. Mm -hmm. And a lot of annuities now give the beneficiary access to that income value, provided right. that they take the death benefit as an income. So this looks at like you, you have an annuity, let's say it's got cash value of $150,000, but it's got an income value of like $250,000. Right. You pass away, your beneficiary has a choice. They can take the $150,000 as a lump sum and be happy, or they can take an income spread out for generally no fewer than five years. Mm -hmm. And they will have income paid out on a $250,000 basis instead. Right. So they will extract more money from the annuity this way. There are a lot of flavors of death benefits on annuities. And I, I, it seems 
this is my perspective anyway, it seems that they were much more frequently discussed, I don't know, 15, 20 years ago at this point for me, uh, probably because they didn't have all the whiz-bang guaranteed income rider features. There wasn't much else to talk about, um, but variable annuities in particular, they had, a, what's the right word for it, Brandon? The high watermark death yep. benefits, Yep, I guess is the best way to put it. Um, so, which is kind of what you were talking about earlier, but the accumulation of the income bucket was tied to underlying investments. Yep. And there were lock-in periods. So as your investments grew in value, you effectively locked in the value of where you had what you had achieved yeah. with your investments. Right. And so even if the value of your actual investments went down, so cash value in your annuity had declined. Yeah. You still had this locked in high watermark, as, as you put it, that was used for income and in some cases, death benefit paid to beneficiaries. Right. right. Now, we don't work in the in the variable annuity market space, so I don't honestly don't know what's available. That was once upon a time, I think, and it probably still exists, I would I would assume. Goodness knows they charge, they charge enough for variable annuities. They can provide all sorts of benefits. So. Indexed annuities have a somewhat similar element, though those don't decline in value. Sure. Um, so... Yeah. They, they, don't, they don't grow as fast. They also don't decline. The other aspect of this death benefit feature that's, that's, that's helpful given what's happened with changes in IRA laws yeah. is the fact that you can now spread out the receipt of cash from an inherited IRA mm -hmm. and benefit from the death benefit feature. So right. now that, that the IRA rules are non-spousal inherited IRAs must be distributed after 10 years. Right. Which, before before 10 years. Well, before 10 years. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. After a 10-year period is what, what I should have said. So before yeah. 10 years. So somebody dies, you got 10 years to take all the money out. You can do it however you want to. You can take the lump sum immediately. You could wait a few years, take the lump sum, or you can break it up. And using these death benefit features in annuities allows you to break it up and and receive more money. Actually collect more money over that time period. Yeah. From the IRA. Right. Let's go back to to the market volatility thing, because our, our last pro on the list is protection from market Mark volatility. <laughs> yes. With one major exception, right? Oh, what's that? Oh, we'll get to it. <laughs> <laughs> Got to tease it a little bit. I mean, you know. I, I like to, to, to think of, of market volatility as having two, two costs, one being monetary and the other one being emotional. Yeah. So the monetary one's very easy to identify. Mm -hmm. If, if, your portfolio is down $10,000. It's down $10,000. That one was easy to figure out. Right. But if, you're, if you're, your portfolio is down some sum of money, there's an emotional toll that has on a lot of people. It puts right. them in a, in a not great mood. It tends to make them make different decisions. And those decisions could be about their portfolio and buying and selling. It could be decisions about whether or not they go on vacation or buy a new car. There's, mm. there's a lot of, of things that affect your your outlook on life when you right. open your investment account and see that you've lost whatever the sum of money is. So the less losing money you do, <laughs> let's listen, let's look at the, this is the, uh, the English is good podcast. Um, the less money lost, kind of the better your emotional well-being is going to be Right. when it comes to money and retirement. Mm -hmm. So when you have assets that protect you from this. Right. There is less susceptibility to the the world is falling apart around me-ness that people have when they're 100% in the market and their portfolio is collapsing. 
To me, the real danger is the emotional component, because I think the emotional component leads to exacerbation of the problem that you've lost money. Mm-hmm. It, it general in our experience, I should frame everything that way because we're not, I'm not just pulling random things out of the air. Eyewitness testimony. Uh, when people get emotional about market volatility, they make bad decisions and they lose more money. They do. I've they seen do. it. I've seen it happen over and over and over and over again. All annuities have the ability to put in place a, a, a sort of achievement from growth right. that you cannot lose, even variable annuities. Right. Um, but variable annuities can lose cash value from yes. market declines. Yes. So fixed annuities, indexed annuities, those things do not lose value. Right. And there is something very powerful about a portfolio that has various allocations that you can look at and say, well, maybe I lost 15% this year on this and that position. Right. But I've also got this, and this didn't go down. This actually grew a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I know that if I need time for this other position to, to regain what just happened to it, I've always got the ability to take from here. And that strategy helps minimize a lot of, of frustration and hand-wringing and, and worry. And it's, it's, it's easy to discount when you're far removed from that reality. But right. when you're living in the moment, I promise you people who were retiring around 2020 um, were extraordinarily nervous about life in March. Well, I always think back about um, an article that I think I shared with you, I, I read it a couple years ago, don't remember what year, um, but the article was was written by someone who was was talking about uh, their grandfather, I think it was, um, who had income from annuities that came in every month. And it wasn't, it wasn't as if it was a lot of money. It mm-hmm. was, it was enough money for him, but he wasn't wealthy by any stretch of the imagination. And the, the summation of the article was, God, he lived a happy life. Hmm. because he he just did what he wanted to do. Yep. He didn't worry about, he had never been wealthy anyway, and this was money that allowed him to live the same lifestyle, you know, to go to the VA, to, you know, the VFW, that's what I was thinking, or whatever, you know, do the things he wanted to do, do, his, do the woodworking, do the volunteer work, do all that sort of stuff that he did to stay active, enjoyed his life in retirement. And never had to worry about when the next check was going to come because on the first of the month, it just showed up. There's a lot of value in that. That's, that's what I'm saying. We could fill a, a, a half hour, an hour with anecdotes of people that sure. we've known who have lived far happier lives with a guaranteed income than those who have tried to accumulate large sums of, of money. Yeah. That's, there is no doubt there. Yep. All right. Time to turn negative. <laughs> We're shifting, shifting, moving things over. We're time talk- to talk about the bad. Got to talk about the cons. And first and foremost, we got to talk about the fees. Fees. The fees, Brandon. Yep. Yep. How many so times have, have we had to talk about the fees? Every time? Yeah. Of course. Annuities have fees. Yeah. I mean, you're, 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 you're not going to get something without paying for it. Absolutely. And I'll just go off on a little tangent here. I don't think that should be, I don't think that fees alone should be the determining factor for whether you participate, whether it's annuities, whether it's a particular uh, exchange-traded fund, whether it's a piece of real estate you buy, your 401k, whatever. So many people are so obsessed about fees. They think that if it costs more than I think it should cost, because that's basically their barometer for how they measure it, 
um, then it must be bad. And therefore, the returns will be terrible and it won't work out well for me. They go down this this rabbit trail. And I think you agree with me in this. Our position's always been, what's the value you're receiving for the fee? If the if your net value is greater than the cost, and, and you can define that, it's not always purely mathematical, I understand. If you can determine that the value is greater to you than the cost, then who cares how much it mm-hmm. costs? I mean, mm-hmm. for, for, for goodness sakes, people pay hedge fund managers to Two, uh, what is it? Two and twenty, right? Two percent and twenty percent. Two percent of the asset value and twenty percent of the gains. And people line up to do it. People so. do it. People do it. <laughs> the fees are are varied, um, and it 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 kind of depends on what annuity you're buying, and what and options and, you want. Yep. Yeah. The more guaranteed something is, the more expensive it's going to get. Yep. That's there's no hiding from that. Sure. And if you need that guarantee, then that's you're going to have to pay for it. We can ask the question and we should ask the question, can you do something similar to that at a less expense? Right. And then we got to assess what the probability of success pursuing that alternative is. Right. And then it's up to the individual. Right. Either I'm willing to assume the risk and try to save the money or I'm not. Right. And everybody's going to be different on that. And I, I, I also think that it's probably one of those, this is one of those moments where we talk about staying away from the absolutes. Like it's not all the money goes in the annuity or all the money goes somewhere Cert- else. Absolutely not. So first of all, it, annuity companies, insurance, i.e. insurance companies won't even let you do that. In addition to kind of standard fees, like if you have an income rider feature, lots of those have fees associated sure, with them. Absolutely. Um, MVA, market value adjustment is another component that can be tricky. Uh, we've talked about MVA on this this podcast before. Yep. So it um, it definitely impacts cash value, cash surrender value. Mm-hmm. And it's a component of owning an annuity. But you made a very, very good point to, na- to note that it's really a net-net consideration. Yep. If after paying the expenses, do you still get a benefit that you, that you want? And do you think that that benefit is going to come to you in a way you cannot do elsewhere? Then, then what do you care? Move forward. Yeah. What do you care if yep. it costs X, Y, or Z? I'd like to explain con number two to you, but it, it's too complicated. <laughs> it's too complicated. Complexity is is con number two. Uh, insurance companies want to be innovative and they want to be competitive. Right. But in the pursuit of that, it tends to muddy the waters. Right. I know that there's super, super, super cynical people out there who say that they do it all in a way to dupe you into to buying something and, and pulling the rug out from underneath you. Yeah. If that were really the pursuit, I mean, there's, there's plenty of attorneys out there. <laughs> and insurance companies, they have lots of money. Yes. So if we could, if we could find the smoking gun on that, mm-hmm. believe you me, there is a legion of litigators who would have litigated the crap out of that already. Yeah, This really comes down to an effort to create competitive and innovative products against themselves, yep. annuity company against annuity company, mm-hmm. but also against the other options. They want to be attractive, but in doing so, it does get so complicated at times. Yeah. Well, I I have a sneaking suspicion the way the product development cycle works is they're trying to produce a better outcome. That's that's the goal, a better outcome for the for the the customer, the client and versus their competitors. And in doing so, when they get to the end, then it gets turned over to the attorneys in the compliance department and they start writing the disclosures and trying to 
explain all the inner workings, you know, and that's the 40 pages in the middle of an annuity illustration basically is explaining how market value adjustments work and how the riders work and how they don't work and, and all the things. And that's what makes it complicated. It's, mm -hmm. it's really because they're trying to innovate. They're not trying to make it complicated, but yeah. all of the disclosure that accompanies that sounds very convoluted. And there's just so many components to this and a lot of things that are unfolding. And and none of it is necessarily unique to annuities, right. by the way. There is complexity to owning bond funds that go way, way beyond what most people think they're getting into when they buy a bond fund. People forget back in the when I started in the business and you didn't give prospectuses to clients on PDFs mm -hmm. or just, you know, I don't even know that they're required to do that anymore. But they're available, I know. Yes. But I don't know that they have to be directly delivered to the person. We used to have to give them paper. Did you did you experience this? Yes. Paper version. They look like this. Humongous. They were they yep. were that thick. And I I don't know what else to call it. I always said they were printed on Bible paper. Um, because yep. that's that's what it was. You know, and you give it to the client, like, you know, if you're looking for something to read tonight because you're having trouble sleeping, this'll do it. Um I, I would always don't expect to understand anything in here. But, no, uh, <laughs> I used to take them because we'd have to clean them out because they changed. Yeah, they got they get like every like quarter. Or quarter. Yeah. Yep. And, and you just have stacks of them in the office and they'd be thrown away and I'd bring them home because they're great for starting fires in the fireplace during the winter. <laughs> so I just had stacks of them, you know, in boxes and I just yep. pull them out and ball them up. But yep. yeah, yeah, I'm just saying There's, I'm just making a, a comparison. People have forgotten how complex those instruments like bond funds or bond ETFs really are if you dig into what they're doing. There's complexity in indexed funds. Absolutely. That most people don't really understand. And it, that one has always gotten kind of a pass because we've had a pretty good run of, a, of an increasing market. So the, the possible ugly risks that you assume have not kind of reared their head in a while and we just kind of overlook and hopefully it. they won't but i mean yes exactly exactly um and and there are people who buy annuities who assume certain risks they never knew they did and those risks never really became a problem and no one ever questioned it so right. the, it, it happens everywhere um but there is complexity and and it it can be i don't know if it's a problem but it, it so much i mean it can be a problem don't I, shouldn't have said that but it i don't know that it has to be a problem all the time yeah we'll do story time for 30 seconds um thinking about this recently there's there's an annuity that i have in force mm -hmm. something i did many many years ago for somebody and uh looking at it very recently because the anniversary date just came up and the whole purpose for buying this annuity kind of fell into that that logic that i mentioned earlier where you look at what what we think the market will bear and what we think we can take from it from income. And we compare that to the income feature of the annuity. Right. And it turned out the annuity, it, I mean, from that modeling, it, it looked better. Right. So, all right, we're not trying to shoot for the stars. There's lots of other assets and other allocations. This makes sense. So that's where that money went. That annuity is now eight years old. And with the, with the surrender charge applied, which it's still like a year or two in, to, but before that goes away, and the market value adjustment um, uh, applied because interest rates have gone up dramatically in the past year. The cash surrender value net of surrender charge net of MVA is actually less than the initial premium paid into the annuity. Right. Now, cash value is substantially higher than, than the initial premium and the income bucket is even higher than that. So all of that has worked out just fine. But 
if this individual wanted to liquidate this position and move it somewhere else, <laughs> this is not a good time to do that. And you could look at this and say, oh, this is horrible. That's how they get you. That's, that, that is, I mean, trust me, there's, there's a certain degree of that that's like, oh, I wish it didn't work out that way. But at the end of the day, we keep focus on the fact that this was bought for an income benefit. And that right. income benefit has not wavered one bit it's actually in better, terms of, of what it, it, it yeah. can deliver. Here. Right. So that complexity, though, is, is certainly highlighted in all of this yeah. because none of the modeling that was done eight years ago assumed that interest rates would do what they did this year. That's not isolated to this one product at this one company. No, <laughs> like no one, no. no one predicted what interest rates would have done. So correct. Okay. Next up, illiquidity. Oh, that you you had a good segue story there to talk about illiquidity. <laughs> <laughs> um, annuities are not viewed as a liquid asset. Right. Um, they have surrender charges. Mm -hmm. Those surrender charges can be somewhat heavy-handed in the first few years. So the ability to move into an annuity and change your mind and move out, no, um, not with most annuity products. You got to be fairly committed to the cause, at least for a certain number of years, yeah. if you're going to buy one. Right. Because getting out of it is not, not easy and it's not inexpensive. Mm -hmm. I was going to point out a fact here, too, because this is always a big thing that people say is a drawback. This is how they get you on mm -hmm. annuities. You know, surrender charge. You got to have your money locked up for a period of time. Also, the way every hedge fund or private equity fund works as well. So I want everything and I want to be able to take all my money anytime I want to. That's yes. Yeah. That's what everyone Which, wants. If you want, if you want cash. Right. <laughs> yeah, but that doesn't pay anything. Well, well no, kind of does right now. <laughs> um, cash. I mean, index funds, you might walk away with more than you put in. You might not. Right. Um, that's dependent on the day. But um the the liquidity side of annuities it, it it's definitely going to rank weaker on that sure. than a lot of other assets sure. i mean you can you could move in and out of an index fund more easily and uh, oh, probably not lose as much money absolutely. as would be the case with with an annuity right um you are making a much bigger commitment in that sense yeah and that's something we stress with people we make sure like if someone starts asking about you know what's the liquidity and what's you don't buy this if you think you're going to want nope. it 2 years from now nope Nope. Now, nope. every annuity that I'm aware of in the marketplace offers at least, you've got your income benefit, we've already discussed that, but in addition to, before you start using that, if that's your plan, um, usually you have a 10% penalty-free withdrawal every year yes. um, from the, the the value. So, yep. it's not as if yep, you have you do. no liquidity, it's just you limited. Do. But as a pro tip here, I would say that if you're looking at that very seriously going, oh, I, might, I might have to make use of that 10% right. before you buy, you should not buy. Probably. Probably in most cases, yeah. Last up. Bring it up the rear. Yep. The inflation risk. Mm. The, 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 the giving up higher returns. Right. Like I, I remember somebody commenting years and years and years ago when he was trying to sell against an annuity mm. that only reason the annuity company is doing what it's doing is because it's taking all those gains that you could have made in the market and keeping them themselves, which I thought was a very strange statement because to my knowledge, insurance companies do not take much of the premium and invest in the stock market. <laughs> it's a tiny percentage in most cases, especially annuities. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people don't understand. I won't go off on a long rabbit trail here, but people think like they'll compare certain types of annuities to bank CDs um, because they have a fixed interest rate over a set term, et cetera, et cetera. Typically, those are called multi-year guaranteed annuities. Um, and they they look a lot like a CD. 
the major difference is you need to understand a little bit, just a little bit, about accounting at a bank versus accounting at an insurance company. It's different. It's way different. <laughs> if you if you give an annuity company a hundred thousand dollars, they actually have to have a hundred thousand dollars reserved for you. Yeah, they can't just. They got to keep the money. I'm not trying to go down the the rabbit hole of fractional reserve banking and all that sort of stuff, but as we all learned last, uh, was it beginning of 2023 when several banks blew up? Um, they don't actually have the money. So, and very fundamentally, there is no there is no Federal Reserve equivalent in the insurance world. Right. So, if if an insurance company doesn't have reserves to meet its, its obligations, the, the, yeah, yes, there we go. Um, it doesn't have the option to borrow the money from some federal agency. Right. That's just baked into the the industry. Right. Insurance companies have to have the money. So from a from a very sort of principled standpoint, insurance companies keep the money because they're not allowed to to have a mismatch of assets and liabilities to that right. degree. And the, and the reason I'm 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 pointing that out is because this is why I, I guess this is going back to illiquidity. I kind of jumped back. Sorry, but this is this is why some of the the features that cause annuities to be a less liquid exist because they they have to put some guardrails up. To protect everyone else who has annuities yep. with their company. So, yep. Now, all of that being said, there is no argument to be made here today that to suggest that there is some fancy manipulation you can make that's going to make annuities have a better rate of return than, say, stocks. Right. Absolutely, undeniably, annuities are going to lag. We suspect an investment in the stock market even, over even a variable annuities. Time. Um, variable annuities will keep pace much closer for sure, but there's a pretty heavy fee component to most variable annuities that's going to be problematic when it comes to trying to keep pace with a, an indexed yeah. ETF, right. for example. You buy the variable annuity for its income features, right. not for its flat-out accumulation aspect. Yep. And, and there are some discussions with regards to inflation that come up in this, yeah. disregard, in, in this avenue. Because if you take an annuity and you have a locked-in level guaranteed income, that may very well be adequate today. But 15 years from today, it's not going to look like as much money in most cases. Right. Some of that depends on what you choose to buy. And some of it also depends on how you choose to employ annuities. Not everybody takes every dollar that they might earmark for annuities and buys income today. Right. They may stagger this, or we call it laddering, in a way to enhance income as time goes on as they're income needs right. increase due to inflation if they ever do. Right. Because not everybody is impacted by inflation the same way. Mm -hmm. Different different products have different features and provide opportunities for growth at different rates and over time. So I'm gonna make a statement not everybody likes, but I've been doing this for a while and really it's it's my my sum on on annuities. Mm -hmm. I view them as a luxury asset. Mm. Like if you are in the enviable position to decide, hey, I probably have the assets I need to generate the income that I want mm -hmm. if I were to just put it in the market, for example. Right. But I also have the assets to buy an annuity and guarantee the income and then have the other asset allocation accumulate yay for me. Right. That's the best prospect for an annuity. Mm -hmm. Trying to buy annuities because you are undersaved is unpleasant regardless. Yeah. But every asset you try to buy at that point is is not fun. Right. So there are some people who shouldn't buy annuities because they don't have enough money to buy annuities. And in most cases, and the insurance company will tell them that. There's no way around that. Like there's there's no 
magic manipulation to annuities that's going to make it better. But the same is true for all assets. They just don't have the money. Right. So um, the more money you have and the more interested in a guaranteed income stream you are, the more perfect annuities match your your world. Now, that doesn't mean that middle-class Americans can't or shouldn't buy annuities. I think they can be great things for them to guarantee a certain level of income. We've talked in the past about the fact that perhaps you take the things that absolutely no, no, no room for negotiation must be paid. Right. And you buy an annuity adequate to pay those things. You never have to worry about them. And then you let the, the other assets generate the variable income that lets you do the things that you hope to do, provided your assets perform in your favor. Right. Um, no problem at all with that. But I think the the issue that a lot of people may run into and one of the things that on its face pushes people away from them is the fact that rate of return prospects are not going to be as optimistic as the stock market. Mm -hmm. And that may run into some inflation problems. Right. Really, really long term. There's no getting around that. Annuities are not designed to solve every problem you've ever had. Right. Now, you know, pros and cons on annuities. We'll see you next week.